But now it's time for the Rural News with Sally Winley. Kia ora, Sally. I hear there's a new project that some will find tastier than others. Yes, there is. Now that new venture is catching kinna, New Zealand's sea urchin, and feeding them in land-based tanks to bolster their row production, which is, for some, delicious to eat. Dub Dubbed Kinanomics, the $2.2 million scheme is being run by developer EnviroStrat in partnership with Nati Piro Seafoods and aquaculture company Urchinomics. Project lead Johnny Wright says they're trying to create more value from kinna, which live in barren areas where they don't have much food and therefore don't grow. We would fish them just like they would in a commercial setting, so we'd have you know divers out there on snorkel. Uh, collecting the urchins off the bottom, um, getting them into crates, shipping them onto land and basically getting them into tanks. And once they're settled and happy there, we can start feeding out this urchinomics diet to basically increase the size of their row. And Johnny Wright says the ingredient list of the feed is a closely guarded secret, but included in the mix is a Japanese kelp. He says kinaro is highly valued in East Asian markets, with demand for the delicacy significantly exceeding global supply. So there's room to grow exports. And he says the project has had positive environmental impacts. Sea urchins, although they're a valued species here in New Zealand, particularly with with iwi Māori, they're, they're a taonga species. But there's a bit of an ecological imbalance out there at the moment, particularly in you know, the northern areas of New Zealand. And, um, you know, many cases, Canada are kind of running rampant over the seabed. You know, that's a bit of a problem because they're, you know, they're voracious herbivores and they, they kind of target, you know, large areas of kelp. And when you get a high number of urchins, they can come in and, and remove that kelp really, really quickly. Johnny Wright says initial feedback on the hand-fed kinna has been positive, with it being bigger and tastier than kelp that's just fed, that's just been kinna that's just been fed kelp. Now, dairy farmers in Waikato are facing a feed shortage with consistent rain destroying pastures. Matthew Zonderop, a shear milker in Te Poi and Waikato Federated Farmers Dairy Chair, says the region hasn't really had a decent dry spell since last October. Strong gustily uh, winds with driving rain. Very wet, obviously. Very, very, very wet soil conditions. Water table is extremely high. And, um, you know, grasses are turning yellow from being saturated, you know, all the nutrients being leached out, you know, that sort of thing. So it's, yeah, it's pretty, pretty grim. He says paddocks are continuing to be muddy, so there's a lack of pasture. The main issues now are actually there's going to be a feed shortage at the moment or going into a feed shortage. We're using a lot of our, uh, our spring supplements now to be able to feed the cows because the we can't feed them enough grass because of the grass growth rates are very slow, very low going into winter. So we don't actually have enough feed on hand to be able to feed them properly. And the, the cows, what is available, are basically able to trample it in because the, the soil is too wet. Bart Van Deven, a shear milker in Springdale near Morrinsville, says the soil is so waterlogged only five mils of rain causes flooding. He says the wet weather means big problems on his farm. 
Growth rates are way down. We had a pasture cover of 2,600 around that 15th to 20th of May. We now have a pasture cover of 2,100, which is kind of unusual because usually during the winter time you've you've got dry cows. You go on a longer round and you build grass up for calving, and usually you're just building up. Whereas now we've gone down, and that's that's the main worry for us. Weather watch duty forecaster Philip Duncan says the current conditions aren't going to change anytime soon. Looks as though there's at least 60 to 100 millimetres coming in, in the next four weeks or in the next sort of three weeks, uh, mostly due to low pressure still crossing over the South Island and some parts of the country. And obviously with more westerlies blowing, that does encourage um, you know that going all the way up the North Island. So Auckland... Northland as well, getting that rain, but it does seem that the heavier sort of falls uh, are from Waikato southwards down towards Taranaki and the west coast of the South Island, which is likely to get um, more of more rain events than they've been having. Not necessarily leaning wetter than normal, but just getting more rain events in there. Philip Duncan from Weather Watch. Dairy prices plunged in the global global dairy trade auction overnight. The average price dipped 3.3 percent to 3,334 US dollars a ton, the biggest drop since the start of April. Butter dropped 10.3 percent. Cheese is down 3.1 percent, and skim milk powder is down 6 percent. NZX dairy analyst Amy Castleton was surprised by the downturn in prices. A bit of a, a larger fall than we might have expected, but the SGX NZX dairy derivatives market did kind of peg that we'd see a bit of a fall yesterday. So um, the direction was expected, the magnitude maybe a little bit more than we, we thought it would be. And so what's behind the fall? Demand's still pretty lacklustre. Um, there's just not a lot to it. There's, uh, fundamentals haven't really changed, so there's not much on those supply and demand dynamics um, that have really changed much for quite a few months now. Um, Just not any big drivers in the market to uh, really shift prices. Amy Castleton expects dairy prices to hover around current levels for the next few months. A declining fertility rate for humans in New Zealand is painting a grim picture for the future of farm labour. Regions are being warned to start planning ahead as currently there's little ongoing recruitment or retention strategies to employ enough working age people in orchards and farms. Sally Murphy reports. Professor Paul Spoonley, who specialises in social sciences, says there's a shrinking prime working age population and those who can work are often drawn to urban areas rather than provincial dairy farms or vineyards. He says temporary migration, such as the government's Pacific Recognised Seasonal Employer Scheme, is not enough for long-term help in the horticulture sector. Professor Spoonley says regions are becoming stagnant and the challenge for primary industries is to start planning future Future workforces now as the population is ageing rapidly. He says with fewer babies being born and fewer people living in rural areas, regional schools and health services may close, making the lure of country life even less appealing for working age migrants and residents. Kiwi fruit growers are urging the government to fast-track the free trade agreement with the EU. 
Prime Minister Chris Hipkins will witness the signing of the deal in Brussels next week. It's expected to result in immediate tariff savings of about $100 million a year when it comes into force. New Zealand Kiwi Fruit Growers Chief Executive Colin Bond says growers have been going through a difficult time with weather wiping out crops and a shortage of staff. So it's time for some good news. We currently send around about a billion dollars worth of fruit to the EU in previous seasons and we've incurred tariffs of between 40 and 50 million dollars on that fruit. So any, any step towards removing those tariffs can only be positive for growers. This reminds us of um, you know, the positive opportunity that we have globally. We produce a great product that growers are proud of. Um, and so if we can get some, some cost reduction in the form of reduced tariffs, then hopefully we can get more money back into growers' pockets. Colin Bond says he hopes the free trade agreement will be in place before next year's kiwi fruit harvest. And lastly, wine exports were worth a record $2.4 billion in the past year, despite a smaller wine harvest. New Zealand wine growers say strong export values and increasing international demand are underpinning export growth. Offshore earnings were up 25% compared to last year, with more than 100 countries buying our wine. That means wine is now the country's fifth biggest export commodity. And that's the rural news for today. Kia pai te rā.